0: Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Adair Robinson, and I proudly serve as the executive director with City of Columbus. And I want to welcome you to our first edition of Red Jacket Roundtables which is a series of conversations designed to invite community members to have conversations about what's important in the community and uh, talk about all the good things that are happening uh, with City Year and with other organizations. So today we have a special guest, Natalie Cosgray, who is a second year AmeriCorps member serving at South High High School. How are you doing today, Natalie?
1: I'm great, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us on our first episode of the Red Jacket Roundtables. Um, Could you just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where are you from? Why you joined City Year? uh, Why you came back for a second year? I'm curious to learn more about you.
1: Sure, yes. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and, you know, talk about the work that we do at City Year and at South High. Um, So I'm originally from the Columbus area. I was born here in Columbus and went to elementary school and the first part of middle school in the area. Um, my mom moved us over to Beijing, China in middle school. So that's where I spent my middle school and high school years. Um, and that is really where I got to start my passion for service with the Beijing community. Our school was really involved with a lot of different local organizations there. And then my mom was the elementary principal of our international school there. So I had a lot of tutoring opportunities, coaching opportunities come my way. And so that was kind of the foundation of um the start of you know where I started to enjoy um things that City Year values really greatly. So um after you know going to college and realizing that uh the field that I was in humanitarian aid was on a hiring freeze during COVID, um one of my college roommates told me about City Year, and that's when it clicked with me and um I, you know, did some research and did some interviews and ended up applying to the site with the highest need, which was out in San Jose, so that's where I served my first year. But because of COVID, um, everything was virtual for most of the year, and it was a challenging year, to be honest, it was hard to kind of see the impact that we were making on the students, a lot of them didn't have adequate Internet. or even computers and devices to use. So it was challenging in the beginning, but we finally were able to open a pod with a few different students. And after I started seeing the impact that we were making, you know, directly right in front of my eyes, I knew I, I wasn't finished. I knew I had to come back. And that's when I decided to apply here to Columbus and come back to where I'm originally from and get to know the community here and you know give back where I can and promote you know educational equity and um, hang out with the kids around this area.
0: So you went to uh, college, you went to med- med- uh, middle school and high school in Beijing. Yes, you went to middle
1: college. school and high school.
0: You went to college in Beijing as well?
1: No, I came back to Ohio University for college. Okay, Ohio University.
0: Back to Ohio. Yep, yeah. So let me ask you are, you, are you fairly fluent in Chinese?
1: I would say, I wouldn't say I'm fluent um I'm, I would say I'm conversational so I can have some conversations get around in a taxi order some food I've definitely right. lost a lot of it since I was there because it's been several years now but you really had to learn the language to get around there and that's something that I loved dearly and you know take with me wherever I go oh
0: that's cool got the international connection um uh, yeah. so when you came to City Year starting in San Jose
2: yeah what,
0: um and I know it was in the virtual space but Or did you work with younger kids, middle school, or high school kids?
1: Yep. So I was at an elementary school my first year. Um, I worked specifically in a fifth grade ELA and math class. Um, It was like kind of a combined class with two teachers. They did it as kind of a hybrid because of COVID. Um, But I specifically worked with the ELA section. So fifth grade ELA.
0: Okay. And for those listening, when we do broadcast this, ELA stands for English Language Arts. Yes. City Year, we tend to use a lot of alphabet soup, so I want to make sure everyone um, understands what ELA means. And in terms of working with those young people, you mentioned it was challenging because many of them may not have had the technology to connect, um, to uh, go through any type of lessons or anything like that. But so, what was that like in trying to connect with students virtually, and, and since they've never done it before?
1: Yeah. So that was a really challenging time, I think, both for me and the students and those, you know, my coworkers as well. Um, going from a place of with a lot of structure that I say I would think a lot of schools have um, to, you know, routines and adults that are going to push you to do your work and to do different things throughout the day to, you know, sometimes being on your own at home and sometimes not even having internet service is really challenging. And I would say that Um, I was able to relate to them in that way, because I had challenges as well sitting at my desk, you know, just going from my bed, right to my desk in the mornings isn't easy. And it's very easy to keep your camera off and to lay in bed. And that is just, you know, for those who even have uh, technology and internet service. So in the area that we were in, which is one of the reasons why we were in that area is because they're, you know, that's, that's underserved. And so there isn't, lot of internet connection going on in that area and there's not a lot of students with that technology because if you know something breaks with the school issued computer it's a lot it's very expensive to get that replaced and so it turns into just not having a device and so at that point we have students that you know it's very inconsistent coming to class and they get very behind and discouraged and then a lot of these places that we're working with were understaffed as well so it's hard to you know, pinpoint these students who maybe haven't been here all week and catch them up. Rather, sometimes they have to sit kind of in the back of the classroom and just go with the flow and they don't really know what's going on.
0: Interesting. I'm curious, San Jose, the students that you work with, can you describe what a virtual session might look like in terms of ELA or English language arts? What does a session look like with a student?
1: Sure. So it was a very interesting setup. what we did there was they had about 45 minutes in the morning of synchronous work time with us. So we had like a morning meeting where we you know, said hello and did a little bit of a pulse check to see how all the students were doing. And then we broke up into individual groups. So specifically at this site, I worked with about 10 students, or sorry, 20 students, but two different groups. So about 10 in each group, depending on the um, the numbers for that day. But what we would do was do a little, um sel lesson so we had about 30 minutes in the mornings with them after the morning meeting so we would do a little sel lesson you know talk about maybe some self-management or how to calm your emotions down or react in different situations and then we would go into some different reading lessons so sometimes that would look like group reading sometimes that would look like um Little popcorn reading that we would do, where we unmute our cameras, and we would try to incorporate some games and different activities into that to make it more interactive. Um, because we knew that, you know, we were still virtually, and you're still through a screen, which poses challenges. But as you know, as much interaction as we can and active engagement while we're behind the camera. So anytime we can get up and jump around and, you know, follow along with someone as they're reading. We definitely did that, but that's pretty much what it looked like. And then they pretty much had the rest of the day to do asynchronous work. Um, so the time that we had with the students wasn't, wasn't a significant amount of time. Um, I think that was for various reasons, but the rest of the day, they did have, um, time to get the rest of their work done.
0: So you were doing, you were looking at ways to integrate social emotional learning with reading and literacy. I'm yeah. curious, the students you worked with um, when you first started connecting with them and getting into the reading um, activities, and did you find that many of them were had challenges with their reading levels or did you notice or did you see any increases or improvements over time? Or like where did they start? And then as you continue working with them, did you see impact?
1: Yeah. So in the beginning, the students, the two groups of students that I worked with were at about a second grade reading level and we were in fifth grade. Um, this you know, was especially challenging because they had other students in their class that were up to the fifth grade level and beyond. So it was really nice that we were able to be in this setting at times and to pull them in different groups. So I think that made it a lot more comfortable for the students to you know, get out of their comfort zone and try to read um, when they can. I will say that once we started seeing some consistency with the students, the grades and the reading levels definitely jumped and improved. Um, that's something that I take a lot of pride in and that you know really pushed me to come and come and serve at Columbus this year um, mm-hmm. because I started to see that impact. And when I started to see it and started to see that improvement in their grades and the smile on their face when they came in and were so excited to start reading, As opposed to in the beginning when they, you know, cameras off immediately if you ask them to read or no volunteers in silence. Um, It's just, you know, it was huge. And so we were able to push a lot of the students up through different reading levels throughout that year. Um, I had another AmeriCorps member with me in this class. So we come, you know, we took on a few different groups and then our partner teacher did as well. And so we were able to get, you know, a better ratio, um, adult to student ratio in that environment. And push them, and you know, encourage them to do their best to continue to improve.
0: So it sounds like you were able to, you know, make adjustments based on what the, the students were dealing with and going through, and working with another AmeriCorps another team member, and your partner yeah. teacher. So I'm curious because yeah. uh, San Jose is a different, a vastly different community than Columbus. Yeah. What were some of the challenges that you sort of were able to to glean from that particular community that the school was located in? Even though you weren't physically there, what yeah. type of community were these uh, young people coming from?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the people and the students that we were working with um, lived in multi-generational households. So especially with COVID, this was challenging because um, a lot of people still had to go to work even though there were a lot of shutdowns and you know COVID everywhere um, in the environment there. So we had a lot of students that had very sick family members. We had a lot of students who had to babysit um, family members, siblings during the time that they were supposed to be in instruction. Um, and those were just two, those are just two main things that you know, we identified as, um, as you know, kind of challenges that we faced and then also with a lot of people in the household, a lot of students lacked um, solid sleep. So some of them are sleeping in different areas of the house. I had one student who was in a garage that, you know, if it was a really chilly night, he didn't get sleep because it was cold. Or if it was a really warm night, he didn't get sleep because it was really warm. So different different challenges that are being faced in that community kind of stemmed from that type of environment. And I think... Um, yeah, along with that, you know, they have their family there to support them, which is such a plus and got to interact with a ton of family members. But I do think that with COVID, that really just changed some of those dynamics and kind of put people in danger.
0: Absolutely. And when you decided to come back for a second year, what motivated you to come back for a second year?
1: So I think I mentioned earlier that um Another teammate of mine, um, we started, we volunteered to open the pod at our school. So it was a select group of students who we thought would benefit greatly from being in the school. So I think these students were not really showing up to class that much. Um, And so we got them in the classroom and we had them all spread out. We had, I think, eight students in our one pod that we started. So this is a whole campus and only eight students and then a few of us AmeriCorps members and a few staff members on school so we got to you know have this instruction be very concentrated and interact with them in person and so i kind of saw although i was seeing you know improvement um, with student work and with moods and morale over um, the virtual service that we were doing as soon as we were in person i saw the impact that we had made you know we heard about it through these students they were able to tell us about it it wasn't a time that they had to unmute and share they were able to openly speak you know, in the classroom and say, yeah, like I learned that a few weeks ago, you know, because you taught me and you, you know, told me a method to manage my emotions or different things. So now I listen to music when I get angry. So it was little things like that, that we started hearing um, with these kids while we were in person that made me realize, okay, I've been a little down on myself in the last few months because we've been virtual and I didn't think that I was making a huge impact. But these students have really taken away a lot of the stuff that we have given them, a lot of the content, a lot of the you know intentional conversations, and so that is really what pushed me um, to my mindset where I was like, I'm not done yet. I need to you know let's push forward and let's keep doing this. And then also towards the end of my service year last year, um, we started our first year AmeriCorps members. We started um, being able to take on different you know leadership roles and facilitate different sessions. And I loved that. It was awesome taking what I had learned in service and then talking to my team about it and creating those intentional conversations. And so that's when I knew that I wanted to apply for a leadership position back here in Columbus.
0: So now you're back in Columbus, back to yeah. the class, and now you're serving in the high school, South High School. I am. Of the yeah. south side of Columbus. So tell us about that experience.
1: Oh, my gosh, it's such a different experience. You know, these kids are a lot of them are bigger than me. They're taller than me. You know, they have these huge personalities, um, which is awesome. And I love it a lot. Um, I would say that service is a little bit different here. We are all back in person. For the most part, we have a few COVID days here and there. But I think that that's, um, you know, dwindling away a little bit, hopefully. But um So with in-person service, you know, we kind of had to get adjusted back into that climate. And I will tell you that that has been really, really challenging for some of the students that we're working with. Um, I mentioned earlier that going from, you know, now I think they were there for maybe a year and a half online, give or take, um, that where they didn't have that accountability where sometimes they didn't have anyone make them go to class where it was easy to just turn your camera off and be scrolling on your phone all day, especially, you know, when TikTok came out and you're doing all these dance moves and everything and communicating with your friends, you know, instead of being with them in person, it's really, really challenging to bring those students back into school and to have that um, consistency in the classroom and to, you know, make sure that all the phones are put away and to have that you know, those longer attention spans. So those are some things that we're dealing with now. And I'm sure a lot of schools, you know, everywhere are dealing with similar situations. So that's kind of just been an adjustment of coming back into um, the working world in person.
0: Right, absolutely. Did you, was it like a, a, a much of a, was it a bigger shock going from West Coast back to Midwest? Middle school, or I'm sorry, elementary school, to high school? or you just kind of like, I'm I'm going with the flow here? How did did that transition go?
1: Yeah, I would say that, well, so first of all, I have some family here in Columbus. So that was really nice because out in San Jose, I didn't know anyone when I went out there. And so I was pretty lonely and, you know, things were closed down. So moving back here and being able to be a little bit more in my element and go see my dad who lives down the road and my brother is just a little bit away as well. So being able to kind of, you know, do some self-care sometimes and go and see some family and friends was, you know, made the transition a lot easier. And that made me, you know, be a better version of myself when I showed up for work. So uh, with regards to moving from an elementary to high school, that was, I wouldn't say a shock. Um, I think I kind of knew what I was getting into a little bit. Um, I, I wanted to work with a high school last year, um, but it was such a big site, and I was an August start, so I was a little bit later than some of the other AmeriCorps members. So I was placed in an elementary, which turned out to be amazing. But when I said I wanted to be in a high school here, I think I was ready for it. And I would say the biggest difference is that these high schoolers will, you know, throw things back at you, and they'll mean it, you know. So the elementary kids sometimes you know they'll get frustrated and different things or you'll have a conversation with them and they'll make comments that they hear occasionally which is interesting and you you know you'll have to deal with that and talk to them about the different words that they've been using but i feel like in high school sometimes you know they mean what they say and so if you upset them or Different things, or you're not seeing eye to eye about something, you're definitely going to hear that, and you're going to have to, you know, figure out how to deal with that and still hold your ground as an adult in the classroom and a mentor, and not like, you know, a scary supervisor. So right. that's definitely something that um, I've had to deal with here and there, and just understanding that these students are only a few years younger than me, which is so important about that near peer relationship that we capitalize on at City Year. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say at times it was the transition was shocking, but overall I've really enjoyed it and, and I get along really well with high schoolers.
2: Okay,
0: cool. So yeah. do you think you want to go into education or are you are you going to stay with international based on your, um, your schooling?
1: City so, has me hooked. It really does. So okay. I think that I want to continue within the nonprofit world, um, I'm starting to look right now at some jobs within city year here at the Columbus site and within some, you know, other sites around the US. But thinking about education, um, the one thing that is really challenging for me sometimes being in, I'm this year in both a math and an English language arts classroom. Mm -hmm. And something that I would love to do as a teacher would be implementing SEL or social emotional learning into classrooms. And I feel like Sometimes, um, specifically within the school that I'm at, because of COVID and students being behind in some areas, uh, teachers aren't always able to capitalize on integrating social emotional learning. So mm-hmm. through that, I've kind of realized that if I wanna go into um, education, I think I would maybe take the counseling route is yeah. something that I'm considering um, because I think I'd be able to you know, talk through emotions and different things right. um, with that regard. And I'm not super passionate about any one subject. So um, my passion really lies within the kids and just getting to know them and, you know, hearing about what's going on and connecting them with the right resources. So right,
2: right. I think
1: that eventually um, counseling might be in my future, but right now, um, working with other you know young adults and being those near near-to- peer mentors to these students is what I'm loving.
0: You talked about the importance of the social- emotional learning, and that's one thing I think you know, the city of Columbus has been fairly pretty strong at is facilitating yeah. social emotional learning and um, in, in integrating it. And I think you're working on integrating it with your lessons. I think you talked about that. Um, yep. How do you think, in your experience at South High School, how do you feel, did you feel prepared or do you currently feel prepared and have the tools to be effective in that space? Where do you think there's, we're you know you've been successful, or where there may have been some gaps, or you would need some additional tools to be effective yeah. with, um, or to have to show some impact with SEO work.
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. I would say coming into the service year, before going through basic training academy um, with City, here, I was I would not have been pre- prepared to um, successfully talk through SEL. Um, lessons or anything along those lines with students. However, um, the training for our first so basic training academy is the uh, first few weeks of training that AmeriCorps members go through to get ready to go into the schools. And through that, we had, I would say, phenomenal coaching with, first of all, learning different, um, different tools and strategies that City Year uses and the partnerships that they capitalize on to get those. And then we also did a ton of sessions with like figuring out how we could implement that in the classroom in role playing and doing stuff like that and then we've also continued that at south throughout our service year. So our impact manager Alexia has been amazing at, you know, holding space for those sessions and we you know, I've been lucky enough to facilitate a few of them to, you know, take what I've learned and teach some of my coworkers those things and then we actually recently just went through a different a workshop of how we all brought different SEL lessons to the table and showed our whole team and that way we're all able to take each other's lessons and continue to implement them so I would say you know to answer your question I wasn't prepared but I definitely have been given the tools and resources to not only use that in the classroom but I also sometimes use some of the things that we've learned you know in my everyday life. Um In thinking of you know doing this podcast, I was thinking of a few things the other day, and um, the clover model is a model where um, it's for like developmental needs and you know children and humans with human development, and one of the four clovers is assertiveness. And you know, sometimes my younger brother is a little nervous to order his own food or go through a drive through and different things and so over Thanksgiving break, I was joking with him and my mom. And I was like, you know what, Uh, this is what I, you know, this is what I've been doing in work. And here are the four clovers of the model. And, you know, you need to live in your assertive leaf a little bit right now. And you need to, you know, go for that menu and just order." Uh And so we all joke about it now. But not only do I use some of the things that I've learned in city year in school and in service, but I've also taken it into my personal life as well, which has been awesome. Wow. See, that's,
0: that's that's cool to hear you say that I mean, you talked about being you know collaborative with your team and sharing different best practices and then use it in your personal life because that's what you want the kids to do anyway right
2: yeah exactly Your
0: personal, personal interactions yeah. and things of that nature um
2: yeah
0: definitely like i'm gonna ask you a lot of questions so i want this to be a a nice uh, conversation back and forth so how about you share some questions with me i know you have some you want to ask awesome me. Hey, yes i, wanna, I do I a little bit and let you uh uh, fire away.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been eager to ask you a few questions. I know that you once served with city year, um, before going on some other journeys of your own. So can you talk a little bit about what your, your service was like or how long it was and what it was um, like back then to, and how it was similar to what's going on now?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. My service year, I uh, right out of college, Uh, 95, 96, 1995, 1996 here in Columbus. And I served not too far from where our current office is here in the short North area at a school called Second Avenue Elementary, which is right around the corner. And I also served in the fifth grade classroom. Um, The service was quite different back then. You know, you could call it, uh, sometimes we'll call city year, the different iterations of city year, like city year 1.0, right? So I'll I'll call it city year 1.0 because we were more of a community service, traditional community service model, where we did a lot of external type of traditional community service activities, playground builds, uh, cleanups, graffiti removal, gardens, built gardens, those types of things. But we also had, we called them at the time flagships. So all the teams at City or Columbus at the time, the school was our flagship. So mine just happened to be 2nd Avenue Elementary. And we, I did a lot of work in the classroom. Uh, I think I had about maybe 25 kids at the time, a pretty diverse um, uh, group of students, but I did a lot of work as it relates to, I spent a lot of time with the boys. I remember that distinctly. The teacher was very, very adamant about me being one of the few African-American males in the community at that time, but these young men could see that was doing something positive. I, I hate to say it that way, but a lot of these young men Young uh, students did not have uh, positive male role models in their life, so she thought it was very important that I spent a lot of time with the young boys in the class. I did connect with all the students, but I would pull students for a lot of reading groups. You talked about ELA; we did a lot of reading together, a lot of individual um, one-on-one sessions with some of the young boys to really figure because they were if they were reading. If your students were reading on a second grade level mine were probably uh, at a first grade. And that was, okay. you know, uh, generous to say that. They were really, really yeah. struggling. You know, we would do reading groups and it would sort of break my heart that we couldn't get through. I would have them take turns in the circle that some of them couldn't get through one sentence without talking like this. I mean, so they couldn't mm-hmm. string words together to make a full sentence. Right? And it was re- so we had to really work hard over the year to get them to be um, fluent in how to just basically read a basic paragraph, and we did a lot of things as it relates to because the, we did all the subjects, so it wasn't just math or ELA. We would, we would do science, we would do health, we would do math, we would do social studies. So we did a lot of stations. So I was in that realm as well, and one of the so I did a lot of helping, um, standing over a young person's shoulder, helping him or her with their their classroom work. Um, From a school wise standpoint, from a whole school, we did a lot of (laughs) things. The the playground was, and I'm sure, you know, in a lot of elementary schools, the playground was just a a big problem at the time. And kids would, that bell would ring and they would get out there and it would be bloody noses, chipped teeth, sprained fingers, because they're just, they didn't know how to play together in a way that was not um, violent, right? So we had to come up with our, we called it peaceful playground. A lot of the teams did this. And so we had to come up with activities so that kids weren't fighting. There was a lot of fighting. They weren't throwing each other, you know, off the, the juggle gyms or the, the playground equipment. So we did, I would, you know, I would have a basketball station or a football station. Someone else would have a hula hoop station or double dutch or chalk drawing. It just we would do all these different things inside and outside the school to keep kids, you know, playing well together. One of the other pieces about the service was we did a lot of stuff after school, so we didn't have after school programs, but we worked, there was a teen center that was up the street, so we worked there and worked with some of the teens in the community. Uh, There was a church we connected with, and we did a lot of graffiti removal because there was a lot of that because of some of the the gang uh, uh, influence in that area. So a lot of graffiti on a lot of the buildings. And so we worked uh, with this particular pastor who was really connected to the community. And then one of our other uh, service sites was a retirement home. So we worked with some of the elderly folks and some of their physical activities. So that was kind of fun as well. And I met a, a World War, I think it was a World War II veteran. That was a guy that I was working, uh, connecting with. And he was telling me all these stories about when he was in Europe in the war. So uh, we did, and then on Fridays, uh, right now you all have learning and development days where you're doing you know, learning and trainings. We would have service days. And so they would alternate between training, and going out and do a service project. So it was a different type of service uh, back then, different kind of way we approached the work,
1: yeah. Oh, wow. So it sounds like you really, you know, got to work with a bunch of different people, a bunch of different age ranges. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so how
1: long, how long were you um, in that position or how long were you doing that type of work for? Uh,
0: My career ran the same as yours did. So we started in uh, August and then that core year would end in June. We would graduate in June.
1: Okay. In
0: the same time. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, awesome. So I also loved hearing about some of that active engagement that you all did with, you know, peaceful playground and running around, because I know that that's been super impactful with both ages of the students that I've been working with, you know, getting Mm -hmm. them up and getting them moving, but definitely figuring out how to do that in a nice manner um, can be super impactful to them. Um, I do have a question about, the other AmeriCorps members that you were working with because I know that I keep my team from last year really close. We're all over the country this year and I'm excited to make some further connections. I know that City Year's alumni network is so vast Mm -hmm. and so massive and you know we have a ton of different resources to reach out in whatever field that we want to go to. Can you talk a little bit about Um, some connections that you made? And are you still in touch with some of your people or what are other people up to right now?
0: That's that's a great question. Um, My team, there are, I can think of, I can give you the names of all the people that I still know and still have connections with. Um, My team, we started with, I think 12 uh, AmeriCorps members. And then we lost some folks throughout throughout the year and then we added some folks, but our core group stayed together that whole time. So I think about myself, I hope they don't mind me saying their names. I'm gonna say their first names. Uh, myself, Amber, um, John, oh, gosh, Ross, Brian. And there's one other, I can't remember. Um, I, I, I said a little name, but there's one other that I can't remember right now. I can see her face. So like the six of us or seven of us, we had a core group that stayed together from start to finish. So I, you know, connect with them. And one of them actually works for Columbus City School. She's a teacher. And oh, so I
2: awesome. talked
0: with her, not at one of our schools, but at another Columbus City School building. So some of that, and then there's another uh, guy, Ross, he's a teacher, I think, in uh, somewhere in the, I think Milwaukee, somewhere I think, in Chicago. But um, some of the other folks, I still had an opportunity to connect with. I don't see them all the time, but some folks I do see or hear about from time to time. And from some of the other teams as well, so it wasn't just my team. There are folks that I still connect with. You know, social media—you can connect with anybody. Yeah. Um, and you, you talked about our alumni work network. We have a very strong alumni network and in Columbus. Yeah. we have a, a city of Columbus alumni board, which is made up of uh, one of our board members, our city of board members, uh, who was the chair, is uh, has now uh, moved into like the vice chair role, and has passed the torch on to uh, another. Uh, recent City of Columbus AmeriCorps alum, uh, Alex Ryan, who will yes. be taking over. And so there, we I met with them like a couple of weeks ago. So we're thinking about new ways to engage City of Columbus um, alums from 94 when we started all the way up until 2022. So uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting opportunity for alums to be engaged in all different types of ways, whether it be you know, happy hours or special events or all these different things they're thinking about to keep uh, AmeriCorps members connected with City of Columbus.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. Just want to shout out, Alex, really quickly, they're the ones who yeah. I called them up to talk about some leader, uh, leader core opportunities that I have, and they told me that you were interested in this podcast. So yeah. that's kind of how I made that connection. And I'm excited to see what they want to do with the board. And, you know, we've already been talking about how they want to collaborate with some events that we have coming up. So I'm mm-hmm. really, really excited to work with them.
2: Yeah,
0: me too. they have their fresh ideas.
1: A lot of yeah, fresh ideas. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, one thing that, you know, the reason why I asked you that question about your team was because, you know, these service years aren't easy and it's awesome to be, you know, to have the opportunity to have a team that sticks with you. You know, you build that community, you see the impact, you know, you go through all of that together. And I have also loved from last year seeing what all my teammates are doing this year and knowing that there's so many different avenues after city year. Um, that really just, you know, excites me for my future, knowing that it isn't just one pathway that I have to go down, that there's so many amazing opportunities and that we have all of these connections um, because of this year that we've done. And we have, you know, similar experiences to people from all over the world. So I really appreciate that. Thanks for answering that. And I'm excited to hear that you are still in contact with some of your teammates. Yeah, yeah. I did want to ask you, so how did you get back into city year? What was that like for you? And what was uh, a reason that you wanted to return?
0: That's a great question. So after my core year, I did join staff as, um, back then we called them team leaders or project leaders, but it's a similar position to our impact managers now. So Alexia, who's your impact manager? I was the Alexia for two years and I served the Linden area at a school called Gladstone, um, which is not too far from like Linden McKinley High School. Uh, it's, the building's still there, but the school has since closed down. Um, so I, I did that for a couple of years. And then I went to another, a couple other nonprofits. i worked for you know, like United Way, Urban League, and some other places. And then I came back about eight years ago. There was an opportunity here to work in a, a more of a, a COO operations role. And I said, that's something I'm really interested in. And it was full circle for me. Right. So City Year was the uh, carrot that got me started with nonprofit because that's been my whole career since uh, college. And I said, well, I would love to come back and kind of see how City Year's grown. How can I be a part of it? How can I reconnect with, kind of reconnect with my roots in community service and working with young folks, right? Because it's not just working with the students, it's working with, you know, connecting with the AmeriCorps members as well. So building really strong relationships with AmeriCorps members as they I go through their year of service, we have sort of a shared kinship, right? I went through it this way, you're experiencing some similar pieces of it, but you have your own experience that you can take along. With. So that's one of the reasons why I came back and um, I've been enjoying it ever since the last eight years. And we've grown a lot since 2014. We've grown quite a bit and I've been, you know, thankful to be a part of that growth, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I love to hear that. And it's always exciting hearing that, you know, it's full circle for you and that you started here and this is what started your nonprofit journey. Yeah. And now you're, you know, you've come full circle and you're definitely a mentor to all of yeah. us AmeriCorps members here and staff that, that work at this um, site. Um, I had a question about, let's see, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing well. Can I ask you? Okay. okay. Awesome. Just wanted to make sure um, that's one thing that I, have you know, really enjoyed taking a look at for the impact manager position was, you know, managing a bunch of young adults who are making that impact on the students. I have su- had such an impactful last two years with working, um, with City Year and the students that we serve. Um, and so to be able to coach and guide, um, some new, fresh young adults in this journey is what I'm really looking forward to, you know, should I pursue that, um, And I also wanted to say that I do love podcasts. I think it's become like a newer thing these days. Um, Mm -hmm. I have started to listen to a lot of them. I listen to them when I work out or when I'm driving. Um, And it's really easy to do. You know, you can do other things and move around and are still listening. So can you talk a little bit about like what you're expecting, what you want to do with this podcast? So I know you Mm -hmm. mentioned you want to get the community involved, but who are you planning on, you know, talking to and getting some insight from?
0: That's a great question. Um, I, I want to go back real quick. You talked about, you know, the impact manager, you know, managing, you know, other folks, and yeah. Real quick, I want to touch on that. So when I got the opportunity to do it, um, like I said, it was the City Year 1.0, a different iteration of City Year, and I'll be perfectly transparent. I failed miserably in that role, and if I could go back and do it again, and things I wished I would have known. Like we, I think we all do that about certain things in our lives. Oh, yeah. I, I think about, I wasn't, I came right out of the core. I didn't do a second year or a TL year, which would be a, a natural progression or coming out of another organization to do this work. Um, I don't think I was, I think I was wanting to get a job and wanting to show that I could do this work. I wasn't prepared. I was 23 years old, one year older than many of the my team. I had no idea. I thought I did. I had uh, the wherewithal to lead others, but it took me a long time to figure it out. And I stumbled famously. I mean, I just completely stumbled. There are a lot of stories behind that. And a lot of it was on me in terms of maturity. And a lot of it was, I just didn't have the understanding of what it meant to be uh, leading others through this service journey, right? It was just I thought I could relate it to my core year and it's a completely different mindset. Um, I think our impact managers, even though it's a challenging job, I think they're much more prepared going in and that um, our staff do a much better job of getting those folks in the space where they can be stronger leaders, right? So Alexia, you talked about how she's been integral in the development of your team. Uh, she came in with, I think, better, you know, coming in as a, core member and a team leader, she had a better base than I definitely had, right, because she had probably a better view of what she wanted to do when she'd been, out to be part of this organization from a leadership level, so I wanted to start there and just, you know, put that out there, um, yeah. as you're thinking about leadership within city year, um, to know that I didn't, I didn't start out a star, <laughs> I was, a, I, was below, I was, you know, I don't know where I was, I was below that, I was really, really
1: Well, thank you for, you know, for saying that, because I've definitely been a little nervous. I know, you know, where my heart is and where my passions are. And so that's really leading me through this process. But it really helps to hear that, you know, not everybody's perfect and that, you know, you guys have have created a really great training environment and space here um, so far from what I've seen and heard. And that, that still allows for room for mistakes and for questions to be asked and, yeah. you know, that type of room. So I really appreciate that.
0: And when I came back from my second year, now that's, now I can honestly say when you talk about growth and I can say, I really it was leaps and bounds. I was a completely different person. I approached it a different way. I listened. I didn't assume that I knew everything. And I watched, yeah. asked questions um, and learned from others outside of City Year because City Year, we do have ways of doing things, but there are other folks that I could learn from as well. So I really look towards other mentors to help me understand what it meant to be in a leadership position, whatever you know that meant. So I had a much stronger second year on staff where I saw, I could see myself and my team responded to it in a way that was very positive at the time. The team before, they liked me as a person, but as a leader, I was poor. This time I could see myself growing and it was like, you know, the the, the sky opened up. Um, What I want to see out of this podcast and, you know, really, I was thinking about how can we be more intentional about having conversations about not just the issues of what's going on. We talk about that all the time. The kids are dealing with this, the family. We talk about all these issues. But I really love one of the opportunities to hear about from, you know, AmeriCorps members, maybe board members, other folks in the community about what, motivates them for doing this work, why they keep coming back to it, and why it's important for them, and how it impacts them, right? You talked about how these, you know, you came back for a second year because of, and everything that you stated. But, you know, we work with with students, but there are other folks out there that work with the new immigrant community, right? So uh, folks that are coming to Columbus, because Columbus is becoming so much more diverse. What are they challenged with? What are some of the the successes that they're uh, seeing in in those different types of programs? Uh, I want to talk about with individuals who are working with young people who are in crisis when it comes to stability, home, home life, you know, so folks that maybe experiencing homelessness or food insecurity as young folks, how are you connecting with those young people and doing that? And talking to leaders in the community, we're doing some really good work. Um, mentoring, other mentoring programs, other programs, whether it relates to uh, violence in the community, a lot of our young folks are dealing with that. Yeah. All, all around the city how are how are you helping young people connecting with that so there's all these different ideas that i've been thinking about in my head and with other folks on staff who can we have real conversations with and then um i want to get a young person on here because we tend to have these conversations without a young person in the room so i want to get
2: another
0: yeah. teenager or a young person to say hey tell me about what you're going through and, and um how uh resources are available or not available to you are these programs even worth us doing are you taking advantage of them i just want to understand what our young folks are dealing with and then kind of connect it back to a city year lens here's what we're doing here's what you are doing Where are the intersectionalities of our work right and so yeah. talking with folks who are doing work on the ground folks that are raising the money folks that are being strategic people that are uh evaluating the programs, people who are funding the programs, how does all that, you know, how do we talk about those things and um, highlight all the good stuff that we're doing? So that's kind of my vision for these, right? Um, they can go in different directions. They don't have to be scripted. They can just, we can just talk like we're doing now. Yeah, oh, I, I haven't to so my questions out there. No, <laughs>
1: okay. yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, we at South, we see a lot of work um, we call it the you know standing on the shoulders of giants those who have come before us and have um, you know done the work to to make that ripple effect and out in the mornings um, when we do our morning greetings we have several parents that you know lay on their horn and are so excited to see us out there and have older children that have gone through the city or experience and you know, have loved that, and just seeing that impact on the community, and you know, hearing from some of the community members and different people that make this world of ours go round, in um, the world of the others that we're serving, would be awesome. And I'm really excited to hear more about that on the podcast.
0: And I, it's funny you mentioned when you're doing morning greeting. I remember opening day, first day of school. I was a south, and oh yeah, know, come in and the high school kids are a little bit too cool. They're like, "Ah, oh, why are you cheering me? I don't. It's too early in the morning." They are, but you know that they really appreciate it. They're just not gonna. It's a little too cool right now. But then the younger kids are like, "Ooh, this is fun! They're dressing up like cartoon characters. Who are these people in the red jackets? Oh, I remember Miss Natalie from last year. Let's go give her a hug!" You know. So we saw a lot of that. um, Yeah. Those are so. I I still love uh, those things to take place.
1: Yeah, those morning greetings are honestly the best. I was just doing um, a little reflection piece today for. AmeriCorps week coming up here and one of the things that I talked about was the difference in morning greetings at the beginning of the year versus now so although we work with high schoolers who are you know definitely like oh no I definitely can't participate you know this in front of my friends and different stuff and just their goal in the morning is just to get inside. Um, We put on so many fun different activities these days. Um, One of our team members Tanisha has been thinking of some awesome things that we do so we do little pulse checks in the morning where they grab a sticker and put it on a chart for us to tell us how they're doing or sometimes when it's warm enough outside we'll do like jump roping and limbo contests to get everybody involved and it's been so awesome we've been getting a lot of the older high school kids to be involved as well so you know, just making a little difference in their morning every morning, that honestly impacts us as well, right? It's our day. And so we can't imagine, you know, coming, you know, from being tired and cold in the morning to coming in and participating in some activity like that. You know, we just try to make the school environment as fun as possible in that moment.
0: That's so good to hear that you're having, you know, positive experience in that space. I'm curious uh, really quickly if you could share about your team. So you had your team in yeah. San Jose in a virtual space. Yeah. You didn't have your family around, but here in Columbus, you can see your team every day. Physically, you do you know morning circle, or you have your meetings during at any point during the day. You'll connect yeah. with your team, and yeah. building team is always important. Um, you know, I've been on a lot of teams in my life, and the uh, the good teams really work hard to build community within that cohort. My city, your team. Uh, Sasha, that was your name, Sasha, that was the other person, okay. Amber, Sasha,
1: you got uh, them all,
0: Amber, Sasha, Ross, Brian, John, Arena, Jennifer, and me, that was it, got it, that was
2: awesome, it.
0: that was the Elite Eight, um, how did you, or how do you all develop and build team within this service, your service year,
1: yeah, so this is something that I think can be, you know, awkward at times in the beginning, you're kind of thrown onto this team and expect to all, you know, band together and do these cheers in the mornings and get out of your comfort zone. And I'm going to be honest, in the beginning, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, you know, going to participate a little bit, Mm -hmm. but you know, in recent reflections that has really that togetherness and doing those silly things together and creating that culture on our team has been detrimental and getting through a lot of, you know, the situations that we face every day together. So um, one thing that I love about our team is that we do community builders every week. So we try to do at least three a week in our after school space with just our team. So each team member gets a week and we kind of just rotate. And so they can be creative with their community builder um, and kind of make it their own. And so that's about 15 minutes a few times a week that we that we play these fun competitive games or get to know each other or do some like self-care type thing and talk about how we, you know, do that for ourselves. And so that allows for us to see the creativity and different types of stuff that some of our teammates likes to do. And we kind of go in circles and do that. And the most recent thing that we did, we just actually had our Olympic ceremony in our after school space about an hour ago is that our impact manager and one of our teammates um, created an Olympics month for us where we worked with our grade level teams. Mm-hmm. So I have two other teammates that also work in the ninth grade. And then there were there's three on our seventh grade team and then two on our eighth grade team with our team leader. And so all together, there was three different groups and we have been competing for the last month in our community building space for a little Olympics and so this looks like um we would compete with phone calls home so that's an initiative we do to get you know we build community with parents and guardians of this of the students at school and kind of talk about different attendance thing and we also do a lot of positive phone calls home to do that reinforcement that your student is showing up they're putting in the work um all of this stuff so that was part of the olympics that we did we did um like the games that we play in some of our team time, we would always count and tally points. So that looks like Wordle or different trivia. And then during our like learning and development days, it was, you know, each time that a teammate shared out, they only got one, you know, one point for sharing mm-hmm. out. So you couldn't continue sharing out and taking over the whole learning and development space. But if you shared out once, if your whole team did, then you, you know, got a point. So it encouraged participation. It encouraged a little bit competitiveness. We got to know each other more throughout that. And then we got to work within our team, within our grade level teams. So it just strengthened that bond. Mm -hmm. And we work a lot together in these teams to, you know, build content and solve problems and work through things. Cause like I mentioned before, it's, you know, not an easy job and you do come across a lot of things and you have to be very empathetic and put yourself in other shoes. And sometimes it's not, you know, the easiest to work through alone. So this Olympics for the last past month has been amazing. And we just had a little celebration tonight. I took my medal off for this because (laughs) I didn't know if we'd get a chance to talk about it. And I didn't want to, you know, just be wearing a medal. But my grade level, we got a, what did we get today? We got the silver. We were close. Um, But yeah, so it was a lot of fun. And that's just, you know, one thing that my impact manager, Alexia, and teammate Elizabeth have, you know, come up with to make our after-school space and our community building time very interactive and intentional.
0: Yeah, that's, that's that's cool that you're finding ways to fellowship together, have fun, because you're right, the job is very challenging, right?
1: you yeah.
0: long no day about that. and you're working with uh, students all day and you're trying to figure out how you're going to connect with this student. The student's having a bad day or you may just be having, you know, one of those days and you have to still show up for your team and um yourself i'm curious um being about about 10 minutes or so but for a minute or so share like some of the challenges that either you or your team may be experiencing and how you work through them
1: yeah awesome so i have actually a list of here because i thought through this question earlier Mm -hmm. Um, we've definitely been facing a few different challenges in our service and i think a lot of it relates back to some that i mentioned earlier so um challenges and consistency with um, we've had some snow days and COVID days and virtual days in the building and not. So that creates a challenge, you know, sometimes for us to make sure that we're on task and consistent. It's hard to do that if our environment is changing pretty rapidly. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that managing boundaries with our near peer relationships with our students is also really challenging and something that we've all had to work through, you know, constantly and every day and continuing to use some teach like a champion um, models, like using warm strict, um, which is a concept where you're, you know, nice and friendly, but also very intentional and strict about your boundaries, because Mm -hmm. these students that we are working with are closer to our age than, you know, elementary and younger middle school kids. So those boundaries do make, you know, we need to make sure that they're set. And, you know, boundaries do get tested sometimes, but it's, you know, it's Like we uh, have some of our leaders always say, it's really easy to to move forward with boundaries rather than um, create new ones after you've been a little lax. So that's definitely something that we've all been working with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when it comes to our role, um, it's really easy to think that sometimes we can be a counselor and talk with a student through some really challenging situations especially if we've created those near to peer relationships where they trust us and are comfortable with us. Um, We've definitely had to have some role clarity talks and we've brought in some resources with a really great role clarity article that talked about, you know, we're like that in between and we need to make sure that we're staying in that in between with connecting the students with resources, because that's not fair for us to carry that stuff and to try to solve, you know, issues that we're not equipped with solving and that's not fair to the students to you know think that we're able to solve some of these problems that they're facing so I would say that those um, along with some safety things have been challenging in recent months we have had some fights and some pretty serious lockdowns so just navigating those environments and, and you know staying strong as a team together but also having you know some major debrief spaces talking to some professionals about you know how to handle those situations and how to leave work things at work and how to, you know, maintain a safe environment with your students at school, but also do the mandated reporting that is required of us when it is needed.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely. I'm kind of going, you talked about leaving work and work, right, yeah. work-life balance. I know that's been a subject and it's come up a lot, especially in this new way of working, right? With the virtual versus going back to the office and in our work, we have proximity is, is uh best for being with students. Like you mentioned, it was difficult doing this work in San Jose virtually, but yeah. being across the in the actual space with the students is a much better, um, more optimal situation. So when you have your time to yourself or with your, your friends or family uh and loved ones, what, what what makes Natalie happy? What do you do to, you know? unwind and do cool stuff what's, what's Ooh, yeah
1: that's a really great question so um first of all I want to say that leaving work at work is really challenging um, yeah. I'm going to move out of the sunlight for a second here but so that's challenging and that's something that I've definitely had to navigate um but I found some things that that really helped me and you know that make me me outside of work so Let's see, Um, I'm pretty outdoorsy. So in the summer and spring and fall when it's still nice weather, I go on some bike rides and um, being back in Columbus, my dad and I ride together a lot which has been something that we um, have loved doing now that I'm back in the area. Um, When I was out in San Jose, the mountains are only about 15 to 20 minutes away. So that looked like hiking after work and and going to some trips to Yosemite and different things like that. I love always like planning my next adventure and hike outside and really just think that that's kind of like a free therapy, um, the fresh air and stuff after being inside all day and, you know, being around a ton of people, just being outside and only with a few people, I think is something that calms me a lot. Um, in the summer I do some water sports, which is fun. So wakeboarding has been really fun for me and something that, you know, is a great workout. I end up very sore afterward. afterwards, afterwards yeah, but my yeah. brother and I jo- enjoy doing that in the summer so that's some things that we do and then I take up reading um, a lot in times of stress or times when I need to decompress it kind of it puts me in a different world so that is something that is major for me to kind of leave work at work I am able to pick up a book mm-hmm. and you know immerse myself into the world of the characters in the book or what's going on in there so Um, yeah and I also you know learn a lot through reading and have learned a lot about leadership and um, different things with City Year through reading as well so that's kind of what my after school looks like probably some physical activity of some sorts and hanging out with friends and family.
0: That's good yeah you gotta you have to do those things and whether it's City Year or any other job that you're doing trying to find that balance I know it's challenging I trust yeah there are times I'm Ten o'clock at night, I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking of something about City Year, so I have to cut yeah. it off sometimes. So
1: yeah, I kind of want to throw that back at you really quickly. What hmm. what is Adaro like outside of City Year? Are you able to leave work at work sometimes? I know that's probably not always easy, but
0: uh, I'm getting better at it. Um, I you know I'm a martial artist, so I love to. When I'm in my martial arts mode, I don't I'm I'm focused. Or if I'm coaching oh, basketball. Awesome. Or, um, I like training basketball or being, you know, in that space where um, you're like teaching others something. You know, I'll help uh, in the martial arts classes. I'll be teaching some of the younger kids, including my son, or, you know, basketball or, um, you know, doing those activities that related to the, the kids. But personally, you know, my wife and I, we like to, you know, go to, if there's festivals, we love to go to those. Um, we have our favorite dinner spots. Like going to concerts, I lo- I'll be glad when I can get back to going to live concerts. That really yeah. brings me a lot of a lot of joy. Uh, I've been getting up every morning, um, or at least two or three times a week, and going to the gym like before work. So I'm doing the elliptical, maybe some weight training. So I'm doing a more changing some diet things, and I do a lot of reading as well. So I, I I tend to try to read like two books at a time, but I I can't. I got to stop, pick one book, and just stay on that one. <laughs> So I'm like three months in rotation right now. I'm like, I need to concentrate on one. But similar, you know, I try to get outside and, you know, walk the dog or ride my bike. Um, I, during COVID, I set up my little gym in the basement. So I have, you know, my boxing um,
1: oh, awesome. my
0: bag, uh, my other martial arts equipment and weights and so stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of music too. I'm a big, anyone knows me, I'm a big hip hop fan. So anytime I have earphones in. I got my I got my record player back there. If you can see it, my little records. My oh, yeah,
1: I'm listening
0: yeah. to my jazz or my Miles Davis or my hip hop. So yeah, So makes me it makes me tick.
1: So. Awesome. <laughs> I'll have to um, pick your brain a little bit about some relaxing music that you listen to. I'm always trying to listen to new artists and. You know, yeah. different songs that i'm yeah. not familiar with so we'll have to have a conversation at some point i'll
0: take you back to the early era probably before you were born i'll give you some good stuff so. that's <laughs> fine let's go
1: stuff. i'm definitely yeah.
0: down for that <laughs> uh so it looks like we're at our time and you know that i really appreciate this conversation i learned a lot about you why you know your motivation your service um the china that's amazing um and, you know, I, I hope you continue to if you want to stay in the nonprofit space, you know, continue to think about uh, City Year um, opportunities here in Columbus. Definitely. We we'll love to you know keep you local, keep that talent here. We want to always
2: keep the talent
0: <laughs> here in Columbus and with City Year. So do you have any, any other last questions before we end the session? Our first session? No. This is amazing. Our first uh, webcast, yeah. for the Red Jacket Roundtable.
1: No, I don't have any other questions. I think I asked all of mine. I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome getting to know a little bit more about you as well. And yeah. I'm so looking forward to you know hearing the other people that you have on this podcast and, and you yeah. know, what your conversations will be like.
0: Oh, real quick before you go, so thank you for that. You want to do a quick plug for AmeriCorps month, AmeriCorps week? Kind of yes,
1: both. sure, yeah. So AmeriCorps week is coming up in about two weeks. Um, this is where we'll be doing some spotlight, spotlighting about our eight different partnerships. Um, you'll get to, you know, kind of take a step into our shoes at the different schools and see the different events that we're putting on. Um, we'll attach some pictures to that. And it'd also be an awesome time if you have any friends or family that you think would, you know, be a great time to do a service year. get them hooked up with AmeriCorps and with City Year, and I can guarantee that they'll have a great experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about that.
0: We want to keep recruiting, you know, great folks to come and work with City Year. Um and so all that information can they can look at that on our social media pages, our Instagram, Twitter, all the Facebook, all that stuff. So that'll all be available. This video will be available as well uh, once we post that. And uh can't wait.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Well, thank you so much again for having me on here.
0: Thank you for your time. And for those listening, be on the lookout for our next uh, webisode of Red Jacket Roundtable. See you later. Peace.